Well, good morning to you. Uh, well, good afternoon to you. I, uh, I'm glad that you could be here today for this um, uh, memorial with, uh, with Howard Showalter as the centerpiece. Howard, uh, I've known Howard for years and years. He was with me when I was at, um, at Covenant Church uh, 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago. And, um, and then he later on would follow me up here. And um, Howard was a man who loved Jesus and uh, wanted to see the gospel go out. And so um, when he passed, um, the family made their arrangements and, and uh, they're in Ohio. And so uh, we didn't feel like we'd have an opportunity to really express ourselves, particularly the people in the Thursday morning and Thursday night group. So we wanted to make sure that we remembered Howard and remembered him well. And, um, and Dave Nash was able to get a Marine flag. Howard was a Marine. Uh, and uh, he was a Marine to the end, and, and um, he was a stand-up guy. Now, in the course of the service today, first of all, we don't have uh, screens, but you do have everything you need in the bulletin that has been provided for you. So when we sing, the words are there. And uh, when we get to the place where it says eulogy in your, um, in your little bulletin there, that's an opportunity for you to come up and share a few words, one at a time, of course, and um, maybe some thoughts about Howard. And then um, Pastor Patrick will have some uh, remarks to make. And I would... Um, Howard reminded me often of the things that are important um, Howard really wouldn't talk much about things that weren't really important, things of temporal value. Howard was more interested in things of e enduring value, eternal value. And um, one of the things that Howard liked to do was um, he liked to pray, and he liked to pull others into his prayer time. And so uh, he gathered Dave Nash and Ron Kellums, and um, the, the uh, three of them, uh, sometimes with my presence, oftentimes with Patrick's presence, would spend the morning in prayer on Monday mornings. And, uh, and that was a real, um, a real important time for me for reasons I'll express a little bit later during the eulogy time. But it'll also let you know why Dave and Dave Nash is having a, a, a prominent part here today. So, um, so having said that, I'm going to ask Dave Nash to come forward and, and uh, lead us here. Stand up. That's great. Thank you. Um, the call to worship today is on Psalm 100. It's, uh, it's such a perfect psalm expressing our thankfulness for the Lord for his majesty, for his mercy, and his promise for our lives, both now and forever. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come, come into his presence with singing. He's made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter the gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Forever and his faithfulness to all generations. And now, if we can do it is well with my soul, let us begin. Thank you.
And now, if we'll recite the prayer that our Lord taught the disciples and us to pray. All together now, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, for thine is evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now, Al.
now. Now. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow.
Amen. You may be seated. And Gloria, thank you so much for coming today. We appreciate your ministry to us so much. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule to be here. And just want to say welcome to, to all of you again. As John has already emphasized, you've taken time out to be here today. And, uh, you know, Howard was a blessing to all of us who knew him. And uh, we're grateful for the opportunity to be able to worship the Lord today and uh, honor God's servant, even as we honor the God who created him and redeemed him. And it's only fitting that uh, we'd give you an opportunity to share a few words or thoughts that you might have concerning Howard. So we'll, uh, we'll open up the floor for you to, uh, to share for anyone who would like to. Now, I know this is a bashful crowd, so don't want to have to coax you up here. I just, you know, the Thursday morning group is a unique group. That's all I'm going to say. It's because of his... It's because of his leadership that, uh, well, uh, in your bulletin, you have a bio on Howard. And uh, he lived a very interesting and successful life. And uh, we should all be proud of it. But this morning, I'd really like to talk about Howard the man, rather than what he's done. But what he meant and how he felt is from my perspective. Uh, First of all, John mentioned that he was a very Christian man, and there was no question about it. Uh, he uh, was a student of the Bible. He knew the Bible. Uh, he contributed greatly uh, during our Thursday morning. Uh, not only did he uh, bring an outlook and a look, a different look as to how we should interpret that, but he would bring other Bible verses that he had by memory, and he could uh, relate to them and... Uh, and, and bring the whole picture into a clear focus. Um, uh, I want to tell you a little bit of a story that I don't know too many people know, because uh, he was an evangelist, from my perspective, uh, uh, much more than uh, me or many others. But I want to tell you a little story that kind of tells a story about how he was involved with this. And I'm repeating a story that I, I'm doing from memory. So if anyone knows a better story, then uh, uh, forgive me. But uh, Howard talked about being in Texas, I presume, on some kind of a business trip. And he was drawn uh, to a revival. Why? He said, I have no idea. It, wasn't a, it was not in a good part of town. And, uh, but he was drawn to this place, and he went in. And he met a guy by the name of David Hall. And David Hall was kind of a rough-looking guy. Uh, he had a lot of tattoos. He spoke uh, street language. Turns out he was a uh, bare-fisted uh, fighter uh, professionally. Uh, his body and his face kind of looked like uh, he'd won a few and lost a few. Uh, a little rough around the edges, but uh, apparently he could really preach. And, uh, and uh, Howard was highly moved uh, by what he had heard. He went back a second day. The revival was the second day. And as you know, uh, revivals are, are pretty much restoration. Uh, a lot of people who fall away from Christ uh, will go to a revival and be restored or refreshed. And that's really what revivals is. And that's what was happening with David Hall. Well, uh, Howard went back. He went back the next day, and I understand he went back the third day. Well, Howard was a successful businessman. He decided what he wanted to do is he wanted to uh, relocate Howard uh, from Texas, Dallas, Texas, up to Cleveland, Ohio, which is where his home was and his businesses were. And he convinced a bunch of business people that, um, that this was uh, worthwhile to fund. And so he funded uh, this program, and I'm not sure that this is what the program was funded, but um, David called himself God's Soldier Ministries, and that's uh, under, the, under the title that he operated with, and I'm suspecting that that was what uh, these investors uh, decided they, uh, they were willing to, uh, to uh, underwrite. And he worked in some of the roughest neighbors in, neighborhood in Cleveland. He worked in the jails. He worked in the penitentiaries, and I had a chance to meet him. 
uh, because Howard told me I, he thought it was important I meet him. And uh, I can see why he was such a draw. Uh, and Howard was like that. He had an ability, somehow an ability, just to recognize uh, needs and wants, and he fulfilled them. The other thing he did, too, is he was an evangelist in the sense that he was forever passing out books and, and tracts, and uh, he was stopping at Publix and dropping the stuff off and, C and CVS and all kinds of places uh, evangelizing uh, the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lastly, <clears throat> he was a gentle soul. Uh, I never heard a harsh word come from him ever. He was always understanding and accepting of everybody in spite of some of the ridiculous things that we said. Okay, and uh, but uh, he was gentle about it, and uh, and so forth. So the last thing I want to say about him is that uh, I'm going to miss him, and a lot of us are going to miss him, and we're certainly sad because he left. But the Lord Jesus Christ has him in His arms, and so it's a glorious time for Howard Schoenwater. I don't know about you, but the hearts of the saints were refreshed by Howard. I touched this up this morning, sitting out on the patio, and I would just like to leave it at this. When I look at the seat in the pastor's office that Howard sat in at our Monday morning prayer meeting, I'm reminded of how prayer was a priority to him. He unceasingly lifted up the members of Bay Presbyterian Church, us by name, <clears throat> and our nation, who he dearly loved, to the throne of grace. Oh, that his prayers, which while he was with us, may be answered now that he's gone from us. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. As my favorite old pastor, Charles Spurgeon, said at the funeral of his right-hand man, Deacon William Olney, Help, Lord, for a great man has fallen in our Israel. Well, I think you all know I don't have the ability to speak coherently as Chuck did, but I want to hitchhike a little bit uh, on what he said about Howard as the evangelist. So I had to bring some props. Uh, the title of this one is Limited Time Offer. I think you get the direction. This one is The Great News. Uh, Chuck mentioned Chuck and Ken Herbal and I do a little Bible study down at the Carter County Jail. And when Howard found out about that, uh, the very next Thursday morning, he came with a bundle of tracks and suggested that we uh, get permission to share them with the inmates that we meet with. I, uh, well, I was going to say gently, probably not gently, just blurted it out to Howard that... Uh, we have to go through some training. Anyone who's there goes through some training. They don't allow you to bring in. It's called contraband if we bring something in. And Howard uh, accepted that. Next week, he brought another large batch and said, uh, you might want to consult with the, you know, the uh, people at the jail and see if they would make an exception. That went on for uh, not very long, maybe two years. I, I still have a few. Uh, that's Howard the Evangelist. But you know, Howard is also uh, a pastor leader right here in the church. All the Thursday morning guys know what this is. These are 26 verses 
that Howard in his, you know, typical uh, gentle way said, well, you know, it's something you might want to consider. And Howard can say you might want to consider with substantial authority. So we, uh, the group, uh, obviously with the uh, exceptions of the pastors, did that. Uh, Howard passed, and we're still doing it. We're still working from uh, Howard's sermon notes. Well, I'll repeat a lot of the wonderful things that were said here today, but uh, so many of us are grateful. We're grateful for the memories we have of Howard. As I said, as it's been said from the Bible study mornings and breakfast that followed, he was just so knowledgeable of God's word, and he, he faithfully shared that wisdom and his beliefs with us, and I would say on every occasion. He, he, he wouldn't miss a, miss a day of kind of summarizing where we are and where we need to go with this. He was so special with that. And we also, as, as was mentioned, he's a, he was a faithful evangelist, passing out Christian tracts and gospels to prospective believers. My mother-in-law is in Brookdale, and she's 96. She was 97 now, but she was 96. And he said, would she like a Bible? And I said, well, she's got a Bible. And he says, well. And next week he brought me this big book Bible, which was the New Testament and the Psalms, and the, the print's about this big uh, all the way through it. And uh, so I thought, wow, that's wonderful. And so I went online, and I found some copies the same one, so I thought I was going to replace it for him, and I brought it to him. I brought them to him that next week, and I said, here, Howard, replace the one you gave us. Thank you so much. He says, I can't take it. I got 130 of those at home, he said. <laughs> so that's Howard. <laughs> But Howard had a strong desire to supplement the unison prayers from our Sunday worship. He just felt the need for more intercessory prayer on behalf of individuals primarily and also for our country. I'll mention, though, in the irony of God's will, Anne and I are recipients of the blessings of prayer from this congregation and others. As exactly one year ago today, she got a major organ, a liver transplant in Mayo, Jacksonville, thankfully, that has saved her life. But then back to Howard, his leadership and encouragement, along with the support of the pastors John and Patrick, he, he and I led a weekly prayer meeting, later joined by Ron, and uh, for the purpose of intercessory prayer. For those we knew were especially in need of that prayer, as well as for our fallen world. We'd gotten the group started by discussing with Rachel her success with the women's prayer group, and we used that as a paradigm for us. The weekly sessions provided a great follow-up to Sunday worship with a 10 a.m. Monday intercessory prayer meeting at the church. Further, Pastor John and the Holy Spirit even extended the concept to a Saturday morning tent where John and Dave Young offered intercessory prayer to the farmer's market attendees in the parking lot. We're reminded of Paul's letter to Timothy in chapter 2 where he says, I urge you, first of all, pray. Pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede. Intercede on their behalf. And give thanks. Give thanks for them. Howard, I thank God for you. And we'll miss you until that day when we meet again in paradise. Two thankful recipients of the gift God provided by the intercessory act for all believers on the cross by our Savior, Jesus Christ. Howard, I know you're up there, and I can't, it'll be there sometime. Thank you. Well, in the next few minutes, you're going to see and maybe understand why I always have a manuscript when I preach rather than do things extemporaneously like Pastor Patrick can do. I, uh, I, I wander a little bit, so wander with me for just a little bit. So I've known, I've known Howard, as I said, uh, in somewhat in excess of 20 years, and um, he, he was a help down at Covenant, and then um, I, I guess he must have moved up here to Bonita Bay because then he started coming here uh, about four or five years ago. 
And, and Howard's always been a, a man to encourage. He's like Ron Kellums in that, in that respect. Ron, on Sunday mornings at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, I could pretty much count on an email from Ron encouraging me. And, and Howard was much the same way. Almost every day, he would send a verse of Scripture uh, to me. And uh, he, I'm, I don't... I don't think I was the only one, but I was grateful to him because he was always thinking of me and encouraging me, and and uh, and I always appreciated that about Howard. And uh, Howard had, um, as has been pointed out, he had an evangelist heart um, with David Hill. Um, one thing he was very excited about was they had uh, they got about five hundred people together. Uh, do you remember that? about 500 people uh, in Cleveland, people who were down and outers, maybe. Maybe people we'd have a harder time uh, hanging out with. But he brought David Hill in to speak to that group. I'm not even sure how he gathered that group together. I think it was just through David Hill and his uh, experience with MMA mixed martial arts uh, and his uh, his fighting in the octagon. And I, and people came out to hear him, and, and there was such a huge response. And he was, uh, he was on cloud nine. But Howard also had some, some hard things. Um, it hasn't been two months since his son died. And I, I can't help but believe that that weighed on his heart in such a fashion that um, he he discovered, oh, maybe two weeks before he died, maybe it was three weeks, he was diagnosed with um, multiple myeloma, a cancer, a blood-borne cancer that eats away at the bones. And he found out that he had that, and um, but he had a plan, and so I didn't really think that much of it. I've known people that had multiple myeloma that live for you know, some length of time afterwards because they could manage it with medication. Um, but I, I just have to believe that losing his son just weighed on him in such a fashion that uh, the, the cancer ended up getting him a little quicker than anybody had anticipated, which was very sad. Uh, and that means also, and you can keep Patty in your prayers because Patty lost both a son and a husband in the space of a couple of months, which is a lot to bear. Um, Howard, uh, one of the really, really cool things about Howard was he was so, he was so heavenly minded, and uh, and as has been pointed out, he was quite the evangelist. And um, I have I have been wanting for. Years. Matter of fact, when Pastor Patrick was being interviewed, one of the questions I asked him was, Pastor Patrick, we have a, um, a farmer's market that meets next door, and uh, our parking lot is filled with cars on Saturday morning from the farmer's market. And, and I've never been able to figure out how to leverage that, um, that phenomena into... Uh, ministry and how would you do that? I asked Pastor Patrick that. I asked um, virtually everybody who came through the church. I asked when we host interns. I used to send them out on Saturday mornings, and I'd say, "I want you to wander through that that farmers market, and then I want you to come back in two hours. I want you to tell me how you would minister to people that are using our parking lot and that are uh, buying." bagels and crab cakes at, uh, at the farmer's market. And they would come back, and they, nothing was really satisfactory to me. And one day, um, Dave and Howard, who had been meeting together for prayer, um, they came to me and they said, you know, you ought to use this as an outreach. That's it. We could use prayer as an outreach. Now, I have to tell you that my... Motives were not altogether pure. I'm pretty cheap, and prayer is pretty cheap. 
And, uh, and so Dave Young and I, actually, I, I was going to do it by myself, but Dave Young came by one day, and he looked at me, and he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for people right out here in the parking lot. And he said, well, not by yourself, you're not. And I said, well, if, unless you have another suggestion. And he said, I'm sitting with you. So Dave Young, um, right from the, from the get-go, he would sit down with me, and he would, uh, he would pray with people. Dave's, Dave's like to say... Um, yeah, my idea on that was just to have a table with a sign, and if people came by, fine. If they didn't come by, fine. You know, I, I, I knew that there would be a certain percentage of the people who would just uh, come and seek, seek prayer, and there'd be another percentage that wouldn't be interested. Well, Dave Young tried to mm, juice the percentages, and Dave, Dave used to say to me, uh, I'll catch him, you clean him. <laughs> and Dave would wander the parking lot, and he would pull people over. And, uh, and then Jim Diller got involved in it. And, um, and those guys, they started changing t- people's tires in the parking lot. And generally, the, they needed to be changed as a rule. <laughs> but they would change, and then the people, would, they, they would pray with the people, and they, they would spend a long time evangelizing the people. Anyway, Howard... He saw us, and he found out what we were doing, and, um, and he said, you know, I'd like to help out. And I said, well, you know, we got, it's pretty much handled. You're welcome to sit here with us on Saturday morning, but we got what we need. And he said, well, I don't know. Let's see. And pretty soon we got a check in the mail uh, for $100 for our ministry. And $100 relative to the, the whole cost of the thing pretty substantial portion of the of the how much money it cost we we only had a couple of signs and then we had baggies that we hand out with to people and so we'd hand out those baggies to people and they all had gospel tracts in there gospel of john uh oh annie made crosses to go in there dory made verse cards on there and we we put these baggies full and hand them out to people and 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 then people would um, they'd pray with us, and it, it was really quite nice. But Howard said, how are you going to keep those bags filled? And I said, well, I don't know. We'll just you know, cross that bridge when we come to it. And pretty soon, we got 150 gospel tracks in. That's, that was about 10 weeks' worth of distribution for us. Uh, but he, he, pen, he gave us all these uh, gospel tracts as George pointed out, and, uh, and then he, he, that Bible that Dave talked about, that with print this big, well, he, pretty soon I got a case of those uh, that came in the mail, and now they're in the office getting ready to be handed out because he wants us to hand out those Bibles to people that we meet at the farmer's market as well. So Howard, he had a heart for the Lord. He had a heart for the kingdom. And, um, and he's, he was just a remarkable role model and so kind and generous. And we, uh, on Thursday mornings, I know that we'll miss him. He was always a, a big contributor to that, as is everybody in that group, as Patrick said. It's just a special group. But in any case, that's my recollection of Howard. Uh, we loved him. We're going to miss him, but we know that he is way better off. Pastor. All right, so I'm going to play Howard here for just a moment. We've been shooting all around the target here. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of eternal life is ours through Jesus Christ our Lord. Howard Showalter was all about the gospel. Whether we were on our, in our Thursday morning Bible study or whether it was talking about this outreach effort in the parking lot, or whether it was the interest he took when I did an online class with pastors in India through Equipping Leaders International. 
Howard didn't just want to know what or who I was talking to in the course of that ministry that I did with our friend Jim Whittle. He wanted to know what we were teaching, and I, I gave him, you know, a bare-bones outline, but that didn't satisfy Howard. Howard wanted to know the content. He said, and he started making suggestions on what I ought to be teaching those pastors, and I said, well, Howard, I've got a plan I've got to follow that ELI has given me, and he wanted to know what it was, so I got it out, and we looked it over, and he, he gave his stamp of approval. He said, that's a, that's a good outline. You need to follow that. But he was concerned that we were trying to cram too much in a short period of time. But once I showed him what it was and how it was going to be done, he was fine with that. And what gave me uh, confidence was knowing that uh, he was offering prayers on behalf of that ministry. And I told, uh, told Pastor John just before we, we came in here, when he was asking what my favorite moment with Howard was, and I would, I would have to say it was then. It, in there in that, that little office, going over that outline, I realized in that moment we had become friends, and I will forever be grateful. Thursday morning is a unique group, as I said, and Howard was uh, all about keeping us on track. He didn't want us straying off, although we continually strayed off anyway in spite of Howard's best efforts. But whether it was here in the Bible study or whether it was after we'd gone to Bernie's for breakfast, when he would go with us, it was always about, uh, about the Lord Jesus and about the gospel. And so I simply want to remind you here today what Howard would remind us of. That the wages of sin is death. If you want to know what you earn in this life by giving it your best effort, that's what you get. If you want to think in terms of what we can gain for ourselves based on what we can achieve, what we gain is death. But you contrast that with what we have in the Lord Jesus. Not something that we earn, but something that he earned. Not what we do, but something that he has done. And the result of that is not wages that we earn, but a free gift. A free gift because it's been purchased and paid for by the blood of the Lord Jesus. And ours as a gift, received by faith. And so you've got to keep the main thing the main thing. That was one of the conversations that we had. And so there's not a lot that I can add to what's been said here, but, but to encourage us, because our brother has gone on to be with the Lord. We believe that. We believe that because his faith rested in the Lord Jesus here, he is in the presence of the Lord Jesus now. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul drew confidence in that. We draw confidence in Paul's testimony to that truth. But we also are confident in the resurrection yet to come, that as surely as the Lord Jesus was raised from the grave on the third day, so those of us who are joined in union with him by virtue of our faith in him will also be raised. All the human remains of all believers down through the ages, beginning with righteous Abel right on until the last one departs from this earth, all will be raised incorruptible. That's what we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And that's my intention here and now, to encourage all of us. Death doesn't have the final word. It was a shock to the system to find out that Howard had left us. He didn't ask anybody's permission, and one of these days I'm going to have to get on to him about that. He left here suddenly, but we all are going to leave here suddenly. It's coming sooner than any of us realize, but we need not fear. Jesus has defeated that last enemy that is death. So death for the believer doesn't come as an enemy anymore but a friend, ushering us into the presence of the one who has loved us from the foundations of the world. And I want to encourage you with that and to remind us that that's why we're here.
We're all here to share the gospel with others, to win them, that they may know this same Jesus, to build each other up and encourage one another because this journey is going to be over far sooner than we realize. But a far greater journey awaits us. Can you imagine what that will be like? So we've said our goodbyes. And I think of this Marine who served our country, represented by this flag of the Corps. And I was sitting there just a few moments ago, and I don't know why, Pastor, it wasn't because my mind was wandering. I was listening to what you said. But somewhere I was, uh, I was thinking in the back of my mind, from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli, we have fought our nation's battle on land, air and land and sea. And these words came to my mind there for a moment. From the halls of Heaven City to the shores of the Crystal Sea, the Lord has fought for us the battle on the cross of Calvary. Hoorah, Marine. Well done. Gracious God, our Father in Heaven, we give you praise and we thank you. Thank you for a dear soul that we can remember. I'm grateful that he was so dear to us that I'm having trouble talking right now. This is not easy. But I'm grateful for the comfort that you give us because we know that he's with you. Not because of anything that Howard Showalter did. No, it's all because of what the Lord Jesus did and because that dear beloved brothers of, uh, brother of ours had repented of sins and trusted in Jesus and so we confidently give thanks for his life and pray, O oh Lord, that you will give us grace that as we continue here in the land of the dying, that you will enable us to cast our eyes heavenward and gain a glimpse of that land of the living, all because of our Savior. We give you praise. We thank you. We ask your blessing that you may grant to all of us that blessed assurance which comes from knowing that Jesus is ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's it. Blessed assurance. Let's stand together and sing. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. 
And may the Lord lift up unto you his countenance and give you his peace, both now and forever. And all of his people said, Amen. Amen. Bless you as you go.